Welcome to the latest edition of the NPM Podcast. I'm your host, John Burke. Joining me today is Quinn Kozlowski, the principal of Greenbacker Development Opportunities Fund. Uh, Quinn, thanks for joining the program today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we get into it, uh, GDEV, uh, for those who aren't aware, makes growth capital investments in developers and operators of renewable energy and sustainable infrastructure projects. Over the summer, GDEV, in line with other infrastructure and energy funds, uh, was busy. Uh, they struck deals to invest in uh, energy efficiency platform Renew Energy Partners and commercial solar and storage platform Sunrock Distributed Generation. It also closed its first fund, uh, Greenbacker Development Opportunities Fund One, in March, having raised $142 million. So, Quinn, uh, along with your busy summer, um, you got a you and everyone else got a very huge boost by the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Um, but before we get there, um, you know, you guys, you guys are knee deep in deals in general. Uh, you've seen a very busy 12 months in general for deal flow, um, whether it be uh, platforms being sold, uh, investments in developers, or of course, project level equity. So on a broad level, uh, what are you observing about macro ESG themes as far as deal flow is concerned? Yeah, I think in a in a in a word, it's strong. Uh, the the ESG themes holistically, coupled with a once in a lifetime opportunity to invest in the energy transition, is causing nearly everybody in the in the space to begin taking renewables very very seriously. Contrast that to what the market was thinking about this 10 or 15 years ago, which is an industry that is solely propped up by federal incentives. Um, this is this is now the main event in many ways, and and folks are coming out of the woodwork and saying, how do we get involved here? From infrastructure funds to real estate funds to corporates to large energy companies that previously didn't have a renewable or energy transition strategy. Everybody is being faced with the desire to deploy capital into the space uh, and pressure from their investors to begin reporting on all of these ESG metrics, further adding uh, capital demand into the space. So uh, in a nutshell, strong demand um, for, for ESG products, um, and we're just seeing a massive supply of capital. Um, you talk about uh, the great variety of participants that have come up here. Um, do you think it's leading to certain investors uh, bending their investment criteria to sort of hit the circle within the square, so to speak? Yes, I, I think that uh, many folks are having to to really squint to to uh, get investments to become in in frame uh, for what they've historically been doing. We're seeing. Um, core infrastructure groups begin to go after core plus type of investments. We've seen uh, uh, insurance companies and pensions who are historically looking to invest into stable, stable assets, having to either structure subgroups within their, their organizations that are able to go after higher yielding uh, components of the industry or, or beginning to approach investments with, with theses 
um, that that require a bit of uh, mental gymnastics to to justify. So I think that everybody knows that there's a requirement to go after many of these asset classes, uh, and and whether it's um, doing the fundamental analysis and then finding the right pool of capital to to tackle the the risk, or um, frankly being being a little naive about risk folks are taking, everybody is piling into the space, whether or not um, their their mandate on the, the on the face of it allows them to. And adding in about the Inflation Reduction Act, um, you know, I think in talking to market participants, they share in the view that um, this could already accelerate what, what's already there, you know, on some of the trends you just harped on there. Uh, do you concur? I think that this is going to be a double-edged sword, um, the Inflation Reduction Act. I think that it is going to, it's created a bunch of hype. Um, everybody's very excited, but the entire supply chain is 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 experiencing serious strain right now, as, as most of the folks in the industry understand. And the fact that individual assets all of a sudden are uh, receiving uh, benefits here Every participant along the value chain is coming to want a piece of that value. So uh, the the week after the IRA passed, uh, we were fielding calls from suppliers, OMs, off takers, capital providers, everybody saying, "Oh, oh man, like look at all this value that's created. Um, I'd like some, please." Uh, and so figuring out how to how to navigate that and make sure that uh, the value is not frittered away to uh, all the folks in the in the value chain, I think is going to be important for for sponsors, um, but in some ways inevitable. Uh, and so the actual house view that that uh, we have here at the, the GDEV team is there's probably some incremental um, some incremental upside at the unit economic level. But but chances are that the the level of demand now coming from the capital community is just going to be far greater than the amount of supply of truly investable opportunities. We're also going to see the entire value chain become more expensive. And so taken as a whole, the chances are that the investor community is not going to see as much as that upside as everybody has been clamoring about. Um, so. So while I do think that there's going to be fuel to the fire on on this this industry, it's not um, all the sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows that everybody's been been really excited about because uh, the value is all going to be shaking loose over the next kind of six to eighteen months, and we don't know where that's going to quite land yet. We're still parsing through the economic impact of of actually still doing tax equity structures versus the transferable credits. Who are the winners going to be uh, in, in that great game? Is there going to be a broader investable base or is it still going to be kind of the gatekeepers of tax equity? You're still going to be the, the shot callers here. All of that's still shaking loose and there just haven't been enough transactions yet. And the supply chain is still so uncertain that while the short answer to the question is yes, this is further accelerant to the industry. The long-winded answer that I've been on here is, man, we don't fully know the ramifications just yet. And while subsidies are a positive in general, we can't just be thinking that this is a windfall. 
Uh, thank you for that uh, long answer. Why don't we break it down a little bit? Um, obviously, within um, you know some of the, the bonuses that were promoted within this bill was, of course, you build a solar project, you build a wind project, you now have a higher uh, ITC and PTT tax rate uh, for solar and wind, respectively. Uh, solar, in some instances, can now use PTC, which was a new function. Of course, standalone storage now can use ITC, which was looked at uh, positive in some ways and still a little unpredictable in others, but we'll get to that later. Um, but then there were bonuses that were put in place for domestic manufacturing, uh, reaching third, certain thresholds with that and uh, labor. And um, I think some of the, the challenges that you alluded to earlier were linked to the fact that we still need a domestic manufacturing industry to talk about before you can certainly reach those thresholds. And, you know, certainly we've seen news about um, plants being built in the U.S. Um, for solar uh, expanding, um, D.E. Shaw uh, striking a deal with Meyer Berger uh, to expand what they had, had anticipated in building. Um, uh, I believe it was in Arizona as well. But um, what do you think um, we're going to see in the next uh, couple of years? Um, you know, as developers look to accelerate, you know, the build out of their projects, um, they still might have to be looking to the overseas for some of their solar cells. Again, you're not going to be able to build a factory overnight here. Um, and when do you think um, everything is going to be aligned where the supplier can, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, developer can um, come in and get all those bonuses and there's a, a proper system in uh, domestically? to build solar farms and wind farms with respect to that? Yeah, I definitely think that that's a, a medium run uh, uh, solution. I think five, six years from now, hopefully we'll have um, uh, those domestic content facilities up and running and the market fully shaken out for, for all the incentives uh, attached to those. Um, and we're we're real champions of, of that and excited about that happening, but it does take time. Um, we, we've seen quite a few um, plans in place to bring these these manufacturing facilities to the southeast and the and the southwest of the states, um, and and definitely uh, cheer that not only in terms of of American jobs and American job certainty, but but the 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 real challenges we've seen through the supply chain and and logistics, um, really how fragile that is to have that. Domestic content being manufactured in our backyard, I think, is going to be a boon to the the industry. Um, so I think I think about all of that as more of a, a, a medium term item. the the other The other uh, uh, labor requirements that that we're seeing in the in the bill, I think, is is um, something that that obviously is a an intentional move um, from from the the feds to to use more more union labor that can also have a deleterious impact on. The, the unit economics uh, of these assets, and so so weighing the pros and cons of of each of these these pieces is going to be a case by case uh, impact, and we're going to have to be really thoughtful about all of this rather than just saying, oh yes, more 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 tax credit equals better. Um, I think that that's going to take to the medium term to shake out uh, which of these are real winners and which of them are not. Um. Well, just switching gears to uh, tax equity, you alluded to that earlier. Um, uh, it sounds like you're still sort of working through that somewhat uh, between um, transferability and then um, uh, very limiting direct pay here uh, relative to, to what was proposed in, in Build Back Better. Um, the 
expansion of the tax equity universe again was mentioned as oh maybe this leads to it and then maybe not but um just at a higher level what, what do you think you can say right now about it are you drawing any conclusions yet in a nutshell uh smaller deals make more sense for transferability and larger deals make more sense for traditional tax equity i think that there has been a long period in which tax equities incumbency has not been challenged and nobody has has been rattling their cage um now with with the floor on 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 15 corporate taxes only able to be reduced through tax credits there's going to be a bit of uh, a boogeyman coming for these guys and and the the fact that they've been challenging to work with and and really rent extracting in terms of onerous dd structures um uh third party reporting that all has been something that has existed because there are only seven people who are doing 90% of the tax equity historically. My view is in general, the transferable credits is gonna be good for smaller deals, five, 10, $20 million standalone deals. That's gonna be a better place for a, a transferable credit. But the, the, the fact that you can now scare tax equity with the fact that you don't need them is going to be a larger motivating factor in making that industry more friendly. And so uh, my view is that we're, we'll be able to, to, it'll probably shake out that, that the bulk of these transactions are still gonna be done as tax equity um, uh, deals, but those deals will be uh, lower priced, less onerous, um, and and uh, uh, more commercial as, as we go through time because the value of the makers and the basis step up um, uh, is, is, is real. Uh, it's just the fixed costs associated with those transactions can be high. And with an alternative, you don't necessarily need to go through that. And so uh, uh, we'll, we'll see um, uh, more friendly structures, terms, and pricing. Have you gotten any sense about who the credits would transfer to, who become the, the buyers of these tax credits, essentially? It could be anyone, right? So, so the whole point of this is is the blow, doors are supposed to be blown off, and so if you're yeah. doing a commercial deal, um, there's something very attractive about being able to just say, "Hey, um, auto part manufacturer in 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 Minnesota, we're building a solar." array on your roof would you like the tax credits that are coming off of this and you can you can do um some of these structures where it doesn't need to be going through the gatekeepers the way that it always has been anybody who's a taxpayer will find these assets valuable and you don't need all the the complex legal and accounting and tax expertise to actually do this so um the buyer universe i think is wide open uh there's going to be a lot of of syndicators out there trying to, to gin up demand for this um, because because now they can just ask act as brokerages and clearinghouses um, and and really expand that that universe and that's going to be that that boogeyman that I alluded to before. Thanks for that. So one of the Greenbacker's uh, specialties has been investing in community solar development and and including platforms. Um, there was a uh, tax credit in, included in uh, the Inflation Reduction Act for interconnection upgrades for projects at five megawatts or below, which was looked at as a, a positive impact for community solar. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts mechanically on how this is going to help uh, the space. 
Yeah, so so community solar is uniquely positioned in that in that uh, place that I described before where we view a large component of this ITC is flowing to the ultimate off taker. Now, if you are not going to be contracting with a large utility and selling into a market where you actually aren't a market mover, you're just going to be riding the the market clearing rate and being able to actually keep more of that ITC for yourself. So let's take New York, for example. They have the community solar uh, Veter program. There's a buy right tariff by the, the state um, research and development agency, NYSERDA, um, that, that you can qualify for a $32 tariff for 25 years and then essentially take wholesale rate to round out the, the Veter capital stack, and not capital stack, value stack rather. Now all of us, that's fixed. That's a buy right tariff. You're, you're getting that yourself. Um, and that's that's essentially flowing straight to the, the bottom line because you don't have to give any of the ITC value away. And now stack on top of that, the main reason that you would kill these five megawatt projects is because of interconnection cost um, uh, on, on that front. Now, all of a sudden, if you can reduce that by 30, 40, 50%, that is a, a situation where all of a sudden these, these transactions are becoming very attractive. Um, and and uh, the investable universe is expanding rapidly. So um, that's one thing that I didn't actually mention at the top um, around the IRA, which is in, even in the event that the unit economics of a call it utility scale asset um, don't change. Let's say that EPC goes up, OPEX goes up, labor's more expensive, your capital costs go up, because of, of inflation and, and base rates. And so, so the, the, the developer margin itself is exactly the same as the day before IRA passed. You still now all of a sudden have four other assets that were negative margin before that you weren't pursuing that are now positive margin because you can push each of those entities who's taking a component of that 30% value. You can just take them to take a little bit less. And now that, that, asset is investable. So while it's in and, and the reason I come back to that is because in the community solar space, um, while your your development margins are probably going up, the, the universe of investable opportunities is going up even more swiftly. So uh, I would I would think that the IRA is a, a large, um, larger asset uh, for the community solar space. Um, one, because there's no uh, off taker taking everything and, and with significant negotiating power and and two because of the the fact that the interconnection uh, upgrade costs are now eligible basis great thanks for that um i guess just to conclude were there any other key takeaways in the inflation reduction act that you'd want to highlight as again you you gave a, a mixed bag of goods here as to your you know ultimate verdict here for ira 2022 but Maybe some measures in the short term, which might be beneficial to some of the industries you mine in. Um, also, to add to that, um, obviously the tax credit extends to a lot of industries now versus few. Um, any alternative industries that now look a little bit more attractive than before, uh, as a result of, of IRA 2022. Um, just to, to highlight um, the question. Yeah. So, so 
look, don't don't take my my uh, uh, words at the top as as being a harbinger of doom. By 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 contract, I'm 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 definitely uh, positive on the IRA. I think it's a wonderful piece of legislation. I think it's great. I think that it may be overhyped in some ways, and that that people are getting. Uh, uh, not not fully seeing all of the knock on effects that it may have. But in a word, this is absolutely transformative and wonderful for the industry. And, and we're all going to reap the benefits from it. So let me let me clear the record on, on that front. Um, however, uh, there, there are these these other other pieces that I mentioned before. So so coming down the slate of things that I think that the IRA absolutely um, assists is one solar. The step up in in four uh, percent uh, um, uh, ITC from twenty six to thirty is is good, but you you nailed it at the end of your question there. The extension for ten years really allows folks to be be much more thoughtful about their capital planning, constantly having to um, prepare to safe harbor equipment. Um, was just a plague on the the industry. It was it was the level of uncertainty and and the fits and starts that these things happened in uh, caused a, a whole bunch of problems. Um, the fact that we can now take PTC in the southwest with assets that are that are single access trackers really allows us to uh, uh, monetize the the good work that's being done on the technology front um, and and begin to monetize higher production and yield factors out of. Out of these assets, so another good component of value there. We already talked about interconnection, um, good boon for the the smaller end of the spectrum. Uh, the other two areas that that I would say is is good value add here um, are for uh, RNG and and hydrogen. So these are these are places that have kind of struggled in the past with with capital security um, on the case of RNG and then investability in the case of of green hydrogen. And I think that these these two um, uh, sectors are are poised for uh, uh, strong growth uh, in in light of of this act, and and hopefully folks are going to start taking a look at at these more seriously. Um, in the case of hydrogen, that was that was always something a year ago we we'd heard a lot about, but the the idea is that this would become um, really kind of mainstream in in five or six years. We're thinking that given the passage of, of the IRA here, that time frame pulls in um, to one, two, three years to have strong unit economics on, on some of these assets. So I would say those two and then and then the the um, the backstop of value on EVs, I think, is another uh, very valuable piece in the, the IRA. I think the the heavy trucking component. Uh, is is going to be a, a a big value piece there, underpinning the end of of useful life for for these heavy duty or or medium duty um, uh, trucks, uh, because I think that those guys doing doing fleet management service for um, uh, medium and 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 light duty trucking is going to be the way that we we crack the the EV transition code. Um, and, and having a, a backstop on on those credits um, at the end of life, I think, is is a valuable component too. So those are the ones that kind of jump off. And 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 to my my point before about the unit economics maybe staying the same, but the cuspy uh, assets getting the push over the edge. That's what I'm seeing in terms of RNG, hydrogen, and EVs. Great. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Uh, Quinn, thanks for uh, chatting with us this week. And uh, please tune in next time. Work out. Thanks so much. <laughs>